0: Heavenly Father, our faith looks up to you. With the psalmist, we say, We lift our eyes to the hills. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. So we trust you today, Lord. We trust you to do what we cannot do for ourselves, to work in this place, Lord to bless the reading and preaching of your word and the decisions we make. We know this, Lord, if anything good happens in these moments, it will be because you have worked and you alone will receive the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good all the time. time. Our world is still looking for a hero, I think in some ways that's what the game this afternoon is about, looking for a hero. Who is worthy of our emulation? Who could inspire us? I read this week, perhaps some of you did as well, the email that was making the rounds about Curtis the stock boy. Curtis, this young man who was working in a grocery store and there was a a mellifluous, beautiful voice that came over the intercom and He had to see who the person was who spoke that way, new employee there who was a supervisor. And before long, he invited this young woman out on a date and she said, I can't go. And he said, why? And she said, I have children. And he said, well, I'll pay for the babysitter. And so they arranged a date and then he showed up at her house and the babysitter was sick. And she said, we just can't go. It's impossible. And he said, well, it's not impossible. We'll just take the kids with us. And she said, Well, let, let me introduce you to my kids. And a uh, little girl, beautiful little girl, beautiful little boy, uh, Down syndrome, paraplegic, many uh, physical needs. And this young man, Curtis the Stock Boy, loved that little boy and that little girl so much that not only did the date go well, but a year later they got married. And tonight, Curtis the Stock Boy is going to be a, a quarterback, Kurt Warner, who will be playing for the uh, Phoenix uh, Cardinals tonight. And. He's just an example, I think, of one who is worthy of our emulation, one who, who found a way with love to love. And if you uh, have read his story, you understand that love comes from the Heavenly Father who is working in his life. Now remain these three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So where will we find a hero in this world? Well, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, there's a whole list of them. They're heroic and courageous for their faith, recognized for their great trust in a great God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 7, an amazing story about some amazing people of God who simply trusted God. I want us to hear the story of one of those men today, a man named Noah. We'll call this message, uh, At His Word. Reconnecting with God's promises. Let's stand together to read God's word today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You know these verses. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. God is good all the time. We wouldn't even know Noah's name, would we? We wouldn't even know who Noah was were it not for his trust in God. He would have been another of those myriad, nameless souls swept away in the flood, but for the fact that he trusted in God wholeheartedly he took God at his word and he took his family with him he took the world to task and he took home the prize with an heroic faith he trusted God when not a single drop of rain had fallen he built an ark and continued to build though some have said he Uh, inevitably faced ridicule. Perhaps you've heard Bill Cosby's old shtick about that and about the neighbors saying, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? He said, well, it's uh, it's a boat and God told me to build it. Well, you mind getting it out of my driveway? And uh, there's a conversation that takes place. We read this week in some commentaries that it's likely that it took him over 100 years to build that ark. He built it in faith, and all that time, every day, trusted in God to work in him. And what will you and I do in a world that is drowning in its own sinful choices? How do you and I make our way out of this world? How do we make our way in this world? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Noah is our pioneer. He becomes our example because as he trusted God, We also can trust him, and the truth is, our God is trustworthy, because the story of Noah is the story of God's remembering. Maybe we came here today feeling forgotten, like nobody knew what was going on in our lives. But Noah and his story remind us from Genesis chapter six to nine. There's this great verse in Genesis eight, verse one, and God remembered. Noah, And then in chapter 9 when he places his rainbow in the sky and we, our second of the window sermons you can see the rainbow up there uh, as you look at that and that rainbow is a reminder that our God is the God who keeps his promises and he said I put my bow in the sky so that I would remember that I will never destroy the world again by water. Noah's story shows us that even more than God wants to judge sin, God wants to have community with His people. He he longs for fellowship with His people so that we might know Him, that we might know His presence and walk with Him, as we said last week, so that we might know His promises and trust in Him. So when we see a rainbow in the sky... We are reminded that our God is the God who keeps His promises. And we reconnect with God by faith, by placing our trust in Him. By faith, like Noah, we can take God at His word. When He tells us something, He will keep His word. And and trusting God at His word is not easy because there isn't always evidence that what He has said is going to come true. We don't always have evidence, but... Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen that's the King James version of verse 1 and in verse 6 we see that he says without faith it's impossible to please God we don't have the ability to to please God apart from trust and faith in him and it is true that um, Noah was a A godly man, blameless it says in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9, he was righteous, he walked with God, he set himself apart, he was a stark contrast with the world around him, but all the while he was trusting in God and taking God at his word. And I wonder if you and I are able to do that. There was a bumper sticker years ago that said, uh, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But one brother had more zeal than that, created a bumper sticker that said, God said it, and that settles it, whether I believe it or not. I mean, I might as well believe, because whatever God said is going to come true, and we can trust in that. We can take God at His word and believe that what God has promised Is true. So he says in verse 7 By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, the God who made the world out of things that were invisible, he made the visible. Verse 1 tells us, and in this passage we see that he um, warned Noah about things not yet seen, and in holy fear, Noah was willing to build the ark to save his family. By faith, he took God at his word. There's a remarkable little book by Lewis Carroll, you know it, Through the Looking Glass, where the, the, the white queen says to uh, to Alice, um, I'm 101 years, five months, and one day old. And she says, Alice says, I don't believe it. And she says, I can't believe it. And uh, the white queen says, well, what do you mean you can't believe it? And she said, well, it doesn't do any good to try to believe things that are impossible. And uh, The white queen says, well, maybe you haven't had any practice. When I was your age, I would wake up in the morning believing at least six impossible things before I even ate breakfast. And we look at their two examples. And on the one hand is is the example of the one who has to see evidence. You know, the people like my family from the Show Me State, you know, from Missouri. I have to see it to believe it. There's that uh, attitude of Alice. But then there's the sort of nonsensical attitude of the queen. And we say, well, that doesn't make sense, believing in things that we know are impossible. But what if God tells us something? What if in His Word He has made a promise to us that He will never leave us nor forsake us? Then when we feel like we've been left or forsaken, we can take Him at His Word. I remember last year one of our members was um, diagnosed with a very serious, potentially terminal illness. And I remember talking on the phone and she said to me, God told me that this is not going to end in death. And I remember hearing that and thinking about the faith she had and I said, well, if God told you that, then hold on to that. Don't let that go. If it's a word from God, then you can trust him and take him at his word. And she did. And uh, as the surgery took place and we prayed for her that day in a miraculous way, what was revealed was that she was not going to die and that God had indeed saved her life. And she took God at his word. And I challenge you, when God makes a promise to you, you can take that promise to the bank. You can count on him. He has never once failed to keep his promises to us. The rainbow in the sky reminds us that our God is faithful, as Kristen has sung so beautifully. He never fails Though we often fail him and sometimes we are faithless, he is always faithful. Not only do we take God at his word, but we take our families with us. In verse 7 it says, in holy fear he built an ark. Why would he do that? Why would he build an ark? Because God told him to. Why else? Because that was the way his family was to be saved. The world was going to be flooded. And so he knew that was true and he didn't want to leave his family behind. And in fact, if you look at the account of how evil the world was in that time, What it says early in Genesis chapter 6 is that God looked down at humankind and every intention of the thoughts of their hearts were only evil all the time. That's a, that's a solemn description of the world in that time, that there was just this pervasive sinfulness and evil and no one knew God well enough that he wanted to rescue his family from that. And there are just days when we look at the decadence and the sinfulness of our world that we're tempted to say, I need to build an ark, I need to get my family out of this, but the truth is we're in the world but not of the world? How do we keep our families safe in a world that is a spiritually very dangerous place to be? Well, one thing is sure we will have to be intentional. We will have to plan and, and, and prove our trust in God by taking our families with us. And Clovis Chappelle years ago told an amazing story about two uh, riverboat captains coming down the Mississippi from the north. They were headed to New Orleans and here. Uh, They were, and they were going side by side, and they decided to be a little competitive. They got in a race, and and they had enough coal to make it to New Orleans, but they didn't have enough coal to race, and one of them ran out of coal, and so uh, was falling behind, and some uh, entrepreneurial, enterprising young sailor said, here, I've got some fuel, and he took some of the cargo and threw it in, and they caught up with the other boat, and he threw more in, and they won the race and burned up their whole cargo on the way there. It could happen to us. It could happen that you and I somehow win the race, we climb the ladder to the top and find out the ladder was against the wrong building. We could leave our families behind. And God invites us like Noah to be spiritually intentional. I love his credibility with his family. I contrast him to Lot, who was also told to rescue his family. But Lot couldn't get his sons-in-law to come along. They wouldn't come along. They stayed behind and were consumed in Sodom and Gomorrah, but I I love about Noah that everybody in the family gets on the ark and they are taken safely. I believe God has called us in this world to take our families with us on a spiritual journey of trust in God. By faith, we take God at his word and we take our families with us. By faith, we take the world to task. Do you see it there in verse 7 where it says, by his faith, he condemned the world That's an interesting statement, isn't it? It doesn't say that he condemned the world and, and uh, told them that they were all wrong, but it was his faith that convicted the world of its faithlessness. The world was an evil place. And I love about Noah, in spite of the humor of uh, Bill Cosby, who says there must have come a point when he said, God, I'm sick and tired of this stuff. I'm sick and tired of people making fun of me. I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. And in fact, what what he discovered was that God That God was with him and that he could trust God. And there are two great verses in Genesis Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, Genesis chapter 7, verse 5, and both of them say Noah did everything. God commanded him to do. Now that set him apart from the world around him because earlier we read in chapter 6 that the world was doing everything that God didn't want them to do. Here Here is Noah who is blameless and righteous in his generation. He walks with God and he does all of this By faith, by faith, he trusts in God, and that sets him apart from the world. And yes, the world was uncomfortable around him. They say that Alcibiades used to come to Socrates and say, Socrates, I don't like you. And Socrates would say, why don't you like me? And he would say, because when I see you, you show me who I really am. What if you and I lived what we say we believed What if we took God at His word and took our families with us? Wouldn't it take the world around us to task without us condemning the world and being angry at the world? Our very lives would be the light of the world that Christ intended for them to be. Oh, Noah lived a different kind of life. And the world around him saw that by contrast, by comparison to the world. There's a great story from the Old West about two brothers who wreaked havoc in in an old Western town. And one of the brothers was killed in a gunfight, and his brother, who was still alive, came to the local preacher and said, I want you to preach my brother's funeral. And he said, I'm not going to preach your brother's funeral. I never knew your brother. What I know about him is not good. He said, No, I want you to preach my brother's funeral, and I want you to tell everybody he was a saint. Now, he said, Now, how am I going to do that? He said, Well, I don't know how you're going to do it, but here's the deal. I'm going to make a large offering to your church if you'll do it. And the pastor knew that the church needed the offering, and he he thought about it and he wanted to reserve his integrity and finally he figured out how he could do it the whole town showed up to hear the sermon and he stood up and he said now we all know about this man and he pointed at the casket he said that he was a, a cattle rustler and he was a horse thief and he was he was a sorry man and he was a, he was a gunslinger and he, he was a thief and he was wrong in every way but compared to his brother here he was a saint Well, that's kind of the way Noah was. I don't mean that Noah was sinless. I believe Jesus was the only sinless person. But compared to the world around him, he really was a blameless and righteous man. And we take the world to task by living the way God calls us to. And one last thing I want you to see, by faith he took the prize. Do you see this where it says he became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith? If you don't read it carefully, you might think he says that... uh, Noah received the inheritance that the righteous receive, but that's not what he says. The inheritance itself is the righteousness. That is, by faith, God makes him righteous. Now, this is Ephesians chapter two, where it says, by grace, you have been saved through faith, but not even the faith is of yourself. God gives you the privilege of trusting in him. I saw a great quote this week by a a great man, Dag Hammarskjöld. He's been influential in some of your lives just through his writings, a Christian mystic, a Swedish diplomat. He was the second Secretary General of the United Nations. And years ago, he wrote about people like Noah and said, the reason they were able to live a life not worried about the ridicule of the world around them is that they were granted a faith That needed no confirmation. Think about our world. Mostly what I see about Noah these days. I hate to say this. I see as I walk through the grocery store line on the tabloid magazines. They found the Ark of the Covenant there somewhere in Turkey. They found the Ark of the Covenant. I remember as a young preacher, I was fascinated by that. I was just hoping sometime in my lifetime, they'd find the remnants, the fragments of the wood that would show that the Ark was there. Why did I want to see that? Well, because that would prove it was all true. The Bible was true. And I have to say to you, as I've grown in my life, I'm no longer concerned about whether or not they find the Ark of the Covenant. I assume that it's true. But in my concern about seeing a sign, I don't want to become like that generation that Jesus said, an evil generation seeks a sign. They were always saying to Jesus, show us a sign. We just need some proof. I read this week Frederick Buechner said, uh, the things that really matter in this life can't be proven. And he's really right about that. And years ago, a young man named Vanderpleeg wrote a, a poem about this that helps us. He said about the rainbow, God is the prism By whom the spectrum is formed. And the seven colors of His love fall across my hands. Finding myself on Mount Ararat, I see in the sky the sign of the rainbow. Before me passes the archaeological expedition in search of Noah's Ark. But the sign, they do not see the sign. And I suppose it would be possible in this life to be so busy looking for proof of God's work in the world that we might miss the sign that He's already given us. So the next time you see a rainbow, remember this. Our faithful God remembers us and we can trust Him because He is trustworthy, because He has never failed us before. He will never fail us in the future and we can believe that this God will take us all the way safely home. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your people who come faithfully to sing your praises, to open your word, to be taught. Lord, I pray that the truth of Noah's life would not be lost on us, but it would take deep root in our hearts and we would be like him, people of faith who trust in you when things seem to be impossible. God, help us, I pray, to trust you I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.